Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So later this hour, we're going to have on our friend Tim Sandifer, who started on this show as a caller many, many, many years ago. A guy we'd call Tim the Lawyer, who whenever we were needing uh, legal uh, help on a question, or he wanted to point out that we were incorrect about something, he would call in as he is... Especially on constitutional issues, yeah. Yeah, brilliant guy and um, a fan favorite over the years. So if you haven't heard Tim the Lawyer, stay tuned for him. What is he going to be talking about? There is... Well, the Supreme Court has signaled they are going to take another look at a precedent from the 80s, which is a somewhat obscure bit of uh, administrative law, but it has had enormous historical impact the the famous chevron decision that said more or less hey these administrative agencies these unelected bureaucrats they can do whatever they want and they're going to take another look at that so the giant sprawling out of control power of the federal government could conceivably be squeezed just a little bit and we'll talk to tim about that uh, at the bottom of the hour on the topic of the Supreme Court, one of the more troubling things that has happened in recent memory, and so many troubling things have happened, <laughs> is America losing its confidence in the Supreme Court. That was the one institution that had been holding on to a majority of Americans believing, well, at least they're, you know, not this other mess of crap that everything else is. These are people actually just trying to decide, and a majority of us will go with their decisions whether we like them or not. Well, that has gone away. Um, the latest numbers, 62% of people say they have not very much or no confidence in the Supreme Court. According to the latest polling, that is driven by Democrats and most independents. But even among Republicans now, who had held that number up for a very long time, the support is now uh, 39% with confidence. It would seem, looking at the numbers, that when decisions go against uh, 
us, whether we're Democrats or Republicans, we think they're full of crap. They couldn't have just decided this, or at least in the modern era, they couldn't have decided this for good legal reasons. It's They just, you know, they're in the pocket of whoever. Right. Um, and the most recent, now Steve, Steve Inscape of NPR was tweeting about this, and of course he jumped to, in my mind, the complete wrong conclusion, or at least only half of the right conclusion, saying, Republican confidence cratered around 2020 when the court didn't overturn the election Trump lost. Uh, okay. Um, what? I'm not sure that's exactly what happened. It looks to me like uh, sub, uh, confidence in the court plummeted from 30 to 13% among Democrats when the Dobbs decision didn't go your way, the abortion decision. Right. So there. Stephen Skeep is an insufferable, smug, lefty punk. But so Americans' confidence in the court, Republicans still hanging in there at about 40%. Independents at 25%, and Democrats, it cratered after the Dobbs decision. Man, NPR had to really stretch to make this about Republicans lost confidence in the court because of Trump something or other. No, if you look at the chart, it's obvious what has happened here. After the Dobbs decision and having the President of the United States tell the 82 million people that voted for him that we've got a radical, out-of-control Supreme Court, which is an unconscionable <laughs> thing for the president to do, yeah, Democratic support cratered. When, for the first 50 years of my life, the court leaned unmistakably left, I don't remember the media saying they were illegitimate right. because they were ideological. It's just so... Well, it's two things. It's it's pathetic and, and just absolutely transparent dishonesty. But it's also, and this is the more troubling part, well, listen, if we trash the Supreme Court, you know, it'll help us politically. We'll get uh, more uh, contributions, more votes, that sort of thing. So let's uh, shake people's faith in the most important part of the judiciary uh, for our momentary gain. But that's the 21st century for you. The more I think about this and look at it, the more it angers me that the morning guy on NPR decided to make this a, a story about how Republicans, mega Republicans, are so in love <laughs> with Trump they lost confidence in the Supreme Court. When Republicans have three times the confidence in the Supreme Court as Democrats. Yeah, boy, is that odd. That's typical uh, NPR logic, though. Really working and, hard and, to make this a story about Republicans don't believe in the court when it's almost every Democrat lost support, uh, belief in the court because they didn't like the way the ruling went. Well, and furthermore, as a guy who's into this stuff anyway and does it for a living, I don't really remember the Supreme Court doing a lot around the 2020 election no. thing. It was all yeah, in the exactly. Senate and the House. Yeah, that's, yeah, Boy, I don't even know what, S. I don't Boy, even know what you would be howdy. talking about. But anyway, getting this away away from uh, media cr criticism, which is uh, warranted, and more about people's attitudes, it is not mm -hmm. good. Uh, Congress has, uh, what's their support? Like 8%. Uh, the current president's in the 30s. The Supreme Court being now at a number where, what was it, 62% have not much or no confidence in the Supreme Court? That does not lead to a calm uh, country. And I would argue that Biden's approval number is inflated. And, and here's what I mean. If the current Republican presidential field included Mike Pence and a handful of governors you've never heard of, 
people would be much, much more willing on the left to express their uh, fear, disapproval, whatever, of, of Joe Biden. And by fear, I'm mostly referring to him being decrepit um, in a way that they're not because they see Ch- Trump as the likely opponent. And so they're like rallying behind their tired old three-legged war horse. You know what I mean? Tired old three-legged war horse. It's a metaphor. Uh, but there's no way it would be 30% in the absence of the unifying power of Trump on the other side. Does confidence come back in institutions ever? I've not experienced it. Yeah, maybe. The arc of history is long, Jack, and curves toward the future. I don't it want should. to claim to be so all-knowing that, uh, nope, nope, and it'll never be restored. Because, man, things change. Crazy stuff happens. Uh, but I remember, in fact, several of our listeners have even sent us the link to the episode of the show slash podcast right before the pandemic, where you were asking, is there anything that can bring us together again as a people? And I said, well, it's going to be a great war, a pandemic, and even a war might be polarizing, blah, blah, blah. So, yes, I think a pandemic would do it. And I mean, that <laughs> was practically October of 2019. So uh, with with that one in my uh, my record. I think I'll refrain from predicting whether we'll ever have faith in our institutions again. Yeah, I think if you bet on things getting crappier, you're going to win a lot more money than betting on something turning things around. Well, as much as nature abhors a vacuum, it abhors anything holding together. The tendency of the universe is toward entropy, as they say, which is breaking apart. Right. Uh, I wanted to hit you with this just because I came across it. Here are side-by-side New York Times headlines. This is from... I don't know, three, four, six months ago, whenever the talk was going on about taking away your gas stove, stupid Republicans. Oh, my God. Once again, fake news claiming the government's coming for their gas stoves. Ha, ha, ha. So it's a conspiracy theory. The New York Times headline was no one is coming for your gas stove anytime soon. And they explain blah, 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 blah. Uh, The other headline from the weekend, New York to ban natural gas, including stoves and new buildings. (laughs) Same newspaper. No one's coming right. for your gas stove. New York to ban gas stoves. Hilarious. It really is. Come down just a little bit. It really is kind of funny. Boy, the whole gas stove thing. There's no energy that's cleaner than natural gas. It, it's a miracle of, of power, of, of, well, of energy, and of cleanness. I wish it had a different word. There is word. no freaking health problem Using a gas stove in your house, everybody's fine. If somebody had named it something other than gas, if if it, if it, you know, like butane, they use the particular chemical or whatever. If they'd given it a name butane that didn't have gas, butane is it, a bastard gas, Bobby. Because I think the average dolt just thinks gas in your car, oil, that and yeah. doesn't differentiate with natural gas, which is much cleaner than all those other things. I, I just people have lost their minds. The idea that that's striking some sort of blow for anything. Where are you going to get the electricity to power those millions of new electric appliances, electric heat, etc.? Given current technology or even technology that's around the corner, nobody even asks or answers that very, very basic question. It's just, I don't know. Politics is so stupid now. And getting stupider, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to even follow without it. Do you want to tear your hair out or keep a bottle of wild turkey under the counter here in the studio i don't know if the dramatics could come down just a little bit yeah fair criticism (laughs) 
Would you like to hear the European beatboxing champion next segment? Sure. I, they have contests, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, the, the people who can make like a drum kit sound with their body, they astound me. With their mouth or that. other other parts? Oh, they incorporate their uh, their whole body, yeah. Uh, you know. Flatulence? Pounding on their lungs, flatulence, all of it's permitted, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But it's got to be in tune, and that takes a lot of practice. Boy, that's uh, that's one of those talents that I've never pined for, is mm-hmm. the ability to make drum sounds with my body. Oh, I thought you meant like flatulence in tune. You got to play a lot of scales, you know? <laughs> you got to get out there and woodshed it to get good at it. <laughs> But we will have Tim on to talk about a very important Supreme Court case coming up a little bit later, which will further erode people's confidence in the court. Uh, (laughs) Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announces its class of 2023. It is Kate Bush, Cheryl Crow, Missy Elliott, George Michael, Willie Nelson, Rage Against the Machine, and The Spinners. This year's ceremony will be held in Brooklyn November 3rd. Okay, how do we feel about that list of... Rock and Roll Hall of Fame candidates. Same as we feel about every list. It's stupid. The whole thing is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what you need to know. 
It's hard to rock believe. and roll. Yes. Why is Willie Nelson okay now? But I mean, he's he turned ninety over the weekend. That big concert in Hollywood, uh, at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, he now at age ninety is, but not not when he was eighty five or eighty or seventy eight or sixty seven. <laughs> well, and let me just express it for some of you: Missy Elliott in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow, the spinners and Rage Against the Machine. I'd love to see that show, you know, <laughs> Kate Bush, who's Kate Bush, that sort of thing. All right, here's what you need to know. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame did a really good job of, like, convincing everybody it was something there for a cup of coffee. It's a fairly interesting tourist attraction in Cleveland, Ohio. That's all it is. That's all it is. And they've managed to get a great deal of hype. They have Brett Baer uh, doing a promo for their tourist attraction in Cleveland, Ohio, which is very clever. But they have voting of, from fans of who ought to get in. It's millions and millions of votes. And number one got in George Michael. But numbers two through five did not. Cindy Lauper, Warren Zevon. Cindy Lauper in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, if you're going to put Kate Bush in there and Missy Elliott... Great R&B uh, artist. No no argument against her as an artist, but uh, Warren Zevon, Iron Maiden, has been touring the world, selling millions of records for like 50 years. So, but what here's a terrible name for a band. Well, come on. I mean, it's like bitching about the Rolling Stones at this point, Jack. They've been huge. You're just not a metal guy, so you wouldn't get it, man. But just the name for it, a, to a torture device. They open for the electric chair and the guillotine. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so you could go through this list and gripe about blah, blah, blah. It's a bunch of pretentious critics who are in charge of admitting groups into a, a somewhat interesting tourist attraction in Cleveland, Ohio. And those uh, concerts that they have... Where they, the bands perform, the reunited, blah, blah, blah. They each get like two tickets, and then they have to buy the rest at $5,000 each. And often they're forced to perform with band members they haven't played with in 30 years and hated. You know, it's just <laughs> the whole thing is not nearly as cool as they try to make it seem. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and, and the R&R HOF makes tons of money off those shows, and the artists make nothing. So, anyway. Uh, speaking of music, oh, and we are going to be getting on to heavy serious newsy topics of substance including an upcoming supreme court case that could change the face of the american government with uh, tim sandifer from goldwater foundation in a moment but first because we're such big fans of beatboxing around here the european beatboxing champion all right what end of him is that coming out of Where are you? He's doing this all with his mouth and his body, yeah. He's not doing all that with his mouth. Some of that's got to be his hind end. That sound right there. Or his ears doing wow, the thing where you like plug part, your nose yeah. and sneeze. 
Yeah, wow. Now, while that was more obnoxious than musical, uh, holy cow. Yeah. I mean, the way that he was making all those weird digital effects that... Yeah. I mean, they're not easy to make with a synthesizer. Um, and he was doing it with his mouth and his throat and all. That's crazy. Congratulations to him. Maybe someday he'll be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Cindy Lauper. <laughs> and Missy Elliott. <laughs> and the spinners. Rock. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. out with a tweet today that will up the conversation, I think. He is polling at 20% among Democrats, which is really high for challenging a a sitting president in their own party. The history is people that get that high, the guy at the top of the ticket does not win. Um, That has happened multiple times in the modern era, but we'll talk more about that later. You know, speaking of first-termers challenged in primaries and that sort of thing, uh, Jimmy Carter, the most rock and roll of presidents, I was reminded of that the other day. He's friends with the Allman Brothers and various rock and roll bands, people oh, really? smoking pot on the right house, White House roof. Yeah, he's super into the rock and roll. Did not know that. Um, yeah, a fantastic uh, conversation coming up with Tim the Lawyer about a very important Supreme Court case that I've forgotten what it means and I need to memorize because it comes up in the news all the time. If you miss an hour of this show, grab the podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
are joined by good friend of the show, Tim the Lawyer Sandifer, Vice President for Litigation at the Goldwater Institute, to discuss a very important Supreme Court case that is uh, coming down the line. Tim Sandifer, how are you, sir? Just fine. Thanks for having me back, guys. So we'll get we'll get to the important stuff, but Tim Sandifer brought a lot of hate on himself yesterday by making the ridiculous assertion on Twitter that bacon is overrated. Uh, my favorite response was uh, this. It's hard for me to trust him now. I mean, was Frederick Douglass even a real person? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not, I'm not saying bacon is bad. I'm just saying it's a fad, and it's just a... It became a stupid fad a couple years ago, well, 10 years ago now, to say, oh, look what a badass I am because I eat a bunch of bacon. I put bacon on everything. It's not that good, and the joke is old, so let's move on. Well, you're wrong that bacon is not that good. You are right that the faddishness of it kind of ruined it for those of us who have always eaten lots of bacon and always will lots of bacon, eat lots of bacon. But we can move on to more important things. How enthusiastic can you get about fried pig fat i mean it, it was well you got me started it did make me highly annoyed because i've always eaten bacon i'll always eat bacon i eat lots of crap but the fit crowd all of a sudden being naughty because they eat bacon really pissed me off mm-hmm. i found it very annoying exactly yeah okay we've come together here this is a beautiful thing so uh tim for those who have not uh, paid attention to the supreme court through the year or aren't aware of the the big precedents can you explain what sh- uh, chevron deference means where it comes from my understanding is you're rolling down the road you see a shell you see a chevron you pull into chevron because it's cheaper is that more or less right that's a common mistake but no uh the, so chevron deference is a term lawyers use it comes from a, a old supreme court case in the 80s called chevron And what it is, is it's the rule that when an administrative agency, some regulatory bureaucracy like, you know, the EPA or something, when they interpret a federal law, they're going to interpret it as saying something, typically something that gives them a lot of power. And then if a case, a lawsuit begins where that question comes up over what what kind of power do they have, the judge is supposed to defer to what the agency says. So, and this happens all the time, where Congress passes some big, broad, vaguely worded law that, you know, uh, there shall be no bad things. And then the agency has the power to interpret what that means. And they say, well, from now on, we're going to say that, you know, uh, uh, eating bacon is a bad thing. And so then there's a lawsuit over whether or not you're allowed to eat bacon. It goes up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court defers to the agency. It says, well, the agency says eating bacon is a bad thing. That's good enough for us. And so uh, that deference theory, this Chevron deference theory, has allowed these unelected bureaucracies enormous power beyond even what Congress had in mind. And the real problem is that they're given that deference if it's not clear from Congress what they intended, and Congress is frequently utterly unclear in what they intend. And why not, right? Because if this is, it, it is a way of passing the buck from back and forth between the agency and Congress so that nobody is ever to blame for anything. Politicians love to disclaim responsibility whenever possible. So Congress passes this big, vaguely worded law. and that's, then by design, the you're, that's by design you're saying that it's vaguely worded. Exactly. Okay. Exactly right. And they pass the buck that way to the agency. And then the agency goes, they're not elected. The agency is, is a bunch of hired bureaucrats. You can't. You voters have no control over what the agency does, really, to, if we're going to be realistic here. So the agency goes and does some, some crazy thing, that's some out-of-control thing, and then the congressman can say, why, that's not what I intended. Shame on them. That's terrible. And they can hold hearings and do nothing about it, and then they can look like they're heroes. It's all just a political game, 
And the, the people who are insulated from democratic control, the bureaucrats, they're the ones with the real power. That's why this is such a, a, a big issue is because so much of our lives is governed not by your elected representatives, but by these hired bureaucrats. Congress passes maybe, what, 100, maybe 200 laws every year. Meanwhile, these regulatory agencies are pushing, putting out volume upon volume of federal regulations that controls everything from the angle at which your office chair can recline to the thickness of ketchup in packets at fast food restaurants. All this is a matter of federal law. Not exactly what the Constitution intended. And I assume and can change them whenever they want, as opposed to legislation that, you know, you'd have to start over again. Yeah, there's a process for that. They, they're they supposed to put out a notice that they're putting that they're going to write a new regulation or change an existing regulation, and the public can come in and make a comment on it. But they publish these things in the Federal Register. Have you ever read a copy of the Federal Register? I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for 20 years, and I've never read a copy of the Federal Register. And who's going to take the time to go down there and comment to some regulatory agency? And they don't even have to listen to I mean, they have to listen to you, but they can ignore you at the end. They say, yeah, well, we don't think that's right. So you have no real control over these giant federal and state bureaucracies that are, you know, 90% responsible for the laws that you have to abide by in your daily life. And I was just going to say, it makes a mockery of the notion that Congress passes the laws because these so-called rules and regulations, if I violate them, they will come and take a fine from me. And if I don't come correct, they will put me in the jail. So they seem awfully like laws to me. That's right. There's a, there's a, the Supreme Court is currently considering another case called Sackett in which a, a couple has been charged with violating the Clean Water Act because they started to build a house on perfectly dry land in the middle of a neighborhood that's full of houses because the EPA has defined dry land as a, quote, water of the United States, end quote, which is what the statute says. So here you have a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The, the, the statute, what Congress actually voted on, said you can't pollute waters of the United States. And then the unelected bureaucrats say, well, the term waters of the United States also includes dry land. And now you have people who are charged with violating a federal law for building a driveway. Well, we need to get to this other case, but I've been hearing about Sackler since I was playing Little League ball. What the hell's going on with that? This case has been going on for 10 or 15 years now. It went up to the Supreme Court one time already, and now it's back again, because these things take forever and bankrupt people. Of course, the bureaucrats, they're paid for by tax dollars, so they they have all the time and all the money in the world. But ordinary uh, property owners, ordinary citizens, have no real chance to challenge these things in most cases. So I understand the Supreme Court has danced close to the edge of dealing with Chevron before a number of times and then kind of stepped back from the brink. Um, do we need to know anything really about this specific case that they're taking a look at? And uh, how likely do you think it is that they'll do something about Chevron? I think it's very likely that they'll do something about Chevron because the, the, the court was asked to take up a couple issues and they specifically chose only this one issue. So this is a case that involves uh, a a regulation of how fishing vessels out there on the high seas operate. They're required to have a federal inspector on board the ship to make sure that they're following the rules. And these companies are forced to pay the salaries of these federal inspectors, which is not what the statute says. But the, the agency, which is in this case, the national Marine and fishery service or nymphs. I just think it's fun to say nymphs. Nymphs (laughs) said that they're required to do this. And so this question has gone up to the Supreme Court about about whether we should defer to what NIMPS says the statute means when the statute doesn't actually say that. 
And the Supreme Court said, well, we're going to take up this one particular issue about whether Chevron should even be uh, should even be the law anymore. And we've been oh. looking forward to this for a long time. So this cool. is well, fingers crossed. I feel like a current example would be the Re- Inflation Reduction Act that Senator Manchin was complaining about the other day because it basically said uh, you got to lower the climate somehow bring down the degree so uh like very vague and so they've extrapolated into all these different things which is what mansion said was not intended and you know that's how we get off and running exactly right exactly right so before we let you go tim um oh do we know when they're going to be uh, looking at this and ruling on it oh it'll probably be a year from now they just granted review of this case and they're almost at the end of their term their term ends at the end of june so then there'll there'll be briefing during the autumn and then argument probably in october or so so we're talking about a decision probably late very late this year or early next year bacon is very much like and i've had this experience many times where i've got a band that i'm into freaking Ah. love then it catches on and everybody else is into it. And the band isn't any worse than it was before, but it's taken all the fun out of it now that all these people have jumped on and started liking it. Yeah, the newcomer bacon fakers. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. A bacon bandwagon jumpers. So uh, before we let you go, Tim, are there any exciting cases you're working on there at the Goldwater Institute we ought to know about? We're, we're constantly working on fascinating cases. The biggest one that's going on right now is this case involving the homelessness in Phoenix. This city created this giant homeless encampment of over a thousand people living on the streets of downtown Phoenix because the city chose to, to create this thing and move people there and then refused to enforce the law in this area. A state judge has, ordered, has now ordered the city to take steps to clean up this area by the end of June. And the city has tried to appeal that decision, and the judge almost immediately refused to stay his earlier order and said, the reason I issued this order is because you weren't taking any action, so I'm not going to let you to get out of my order. You have to start following the law. It was nice to see that happen, and we'll see what, what, what the city does now. Like I said, they, they love to get rid of responsibility and say their hands are tied, so they're looking for any excuse to get out from having to actually enforce the law. Boy, and it's just such a great illustration of how far down the road we are to Crazyville that the city of Phoenix is saying, no, no, we don't want to enforce the law. Don't make us enforce the law. Just crazy. Tim uh, Sandifer's vice president for litigation at the Goldwater Institute, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, author of a number of fabulous books, including Frederick Douglass' Self-Made Man, uh, which was the reference earlier, and uh, Freedom's <laughs> Furies. How Isabel Patterson Rose Wilder Lane and Anne, uh, Ayn Rand, uh, Rand, hello, Ayn Rand found liberty in the age of darkness. It's spelled correctly in the book, just not when I say it. Um, and I will tell you this, it is an amazing, even if you don't care about those three women and what they did and why they did it, it is an amazing document of the 20th century fight between liberty and totalitarianism, and it's just great. So anyway, Tim, thanks for the time. Thank you, guys. Great to talk to you. How about that, that 80 to 90% of the laws that you butt up against every day are these regulations that get thrown into a broad law passed by legislators? I'm just a bill. Yeah, I'm only... Shut up! You're nothing. I'm actually a bill that's going to create like 50,000 new laws through the years, and nobody's going to vote on them. (laughs) We were talking about things getting better or worse and can they ever get better earlier and i'm uh, a pessimist on that but one thing i do think that can get better uh they're going to be forced into it but i think i think in my lifetime assuming i don't drop dead today uh congress is going to come back to being 
what Congress is supposed to be at some point. Like, they're going to declare war. They're going to write legislation. They are. Congress is supposed to be the most powerful branch. They can remove presidents. They can remove Supreme Court justices. Other people can't remove them. They're more powerful. But they've decided to abdicate their power and tweet about things and let other people deal with it executive orders with the president and uh and that the supreme court work out what's legal and not when they pass unconstitutional laws yeah with great power comes great responsibility and they'd rather not be bothered so well i I feel like we all learned something here in about a year from now the supreme court is going to take this case up if i remember that it's happening right i'll remind you we got some great artificial intelligence stuff coming up in hour three the godfather of ai resigned from google so that he could speak freely about the dangers of ai and that started a whole bunch of different conversations in the last week also is there now definitive proof of the biden crime family influence peddling allegations i have a uh, what might be a surprising response to the latest uh, headline joe's surprising response this response will shake you to your core (laughs) among other things on the way stay with us Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
So artificial intelligence is going to be able to manipulate us into doing whatever it wants us to do. So that's nice to know. We'll talk about that mm. in hour three. My wife's already able to do that. Hey, come on. <laughs> you know, I think Rich Edson did a pretty good job of summarizing this report on special report, uh, summarizing this story, I should say, on special report last night. Uh, why don't we just go ahead and give you the facts through Rich uh, in clip 30 there, Michael, and we will discuss. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer claims the FBI likely has a document describing this alleged criminal activity involving then-Vice President Joe Biden. Comer has issued a subpoena for the purported document. He and Senator Chuck Grassley have been investigating the Biden family and their business conduct. They sent a letter this afternoon to Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Chris Wray claiming, quote, a highly credible whistleblower maintains the Justice Department and FBI likely have a form that, quote, describes an alleged criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Biden and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. It's been alleged that the document includes a precise description of how the alleged criminal scheme was employed, as well as its purpose. So this is almost exactly what I've been saying I believe happened that uh, Biden, whose portfolio included Ukraine and China, and a couple other places, uh, which happened to be the places where his son made enormous amounts of money through mysterious consulting contracts. It just, it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, flaps its wings like a duck, and says, hey, I'm a duck. On the other hand, there's been no direct proof. So you got Comer and Chuck Grassley, who's the uh, the uh, Senate, uh, what is he, the Judiciary Committee chair? Um, or he's the rank, he's the senior member anyway. I don't think he's the chair anymore, but um, saying we have a DOJ uh, whistleblower who can tell you the FBI possesses a file describing this criminal scheme specifically and in detail. Well, now, Chuck, Chuck Grassley was at Ford's Theater that fateful night. There's that. Uh, as a guy who believes that this sort of thing did happen, and that's how the Biden family got so freaking rich. I will tell you this, if you got that file or that whistleblower, when they're ready to come out, tell me about it. This is a little Adam Schiffy. You remember the IRS whistleblower thing? Where's that dude? His lawyer was making the rounds. They were getting all the ducks in a row so he could be an official whistleblower. Where is he? Now, maybe the answer is this stuff takes time and it'll be at least a month until the paperwork's done, blah, blah, blah. Well, then tell us that. Right. Yeah, I agree. That was my first reaction, too, that it was, uh, I didn't have Adam Schiff in mind, but that sort of thing. Um, Yeah. Well, that was his whole deal. The FBI has come across a document that spells the beginning of the end of the Trump administration. The whistleblower is prepared to testify that Melania machine-gunned the Pope and that there's a fake Pope in office. All right. When that stuff's ready to come out, show it to me. Otherwise, stop bothering me. And I think this stuff is probably true, but I don't know. I'm just tired of this. Joey, what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah, there, there's got to be. There, we, we have to get away from this uh, leaked or hinting at by Congress people stuff about coming indictments and all that. That's just we got to get away from that. Drop the hammer if you have the hammer to drop. Otherwise, shut up about it. 
And in the same way that, uh, like, westerns are super popular on TV for a while, and then it's spy shows, then it's detective shows, and police procedure. Hospital shows. Hospital shows, like glorified soap operas, like Succession, which I keep hearing is great, and I haven't watched it yet, but I will. Um, I think politics by investigation is super hot now. Gets clicks, gets headlines, gets contributions, uh, just gets attention, so... Boy, that could you know, if there's investigating time. to be done, investigate. And then when your investigation's done and you have the result, tell me. So you think your guess is because I'm I'm not there for whatever reason. It might just be because I'm a uh, a, a, a trusting Naive, sap. Well, yes. I was going to go with those words. Yeah, trusting <laughs> small town Midwest naive guy who just doesn't run up against many people that were like this, but mm. um. Uh, I find it hard to believe that Joe Biden was knowingly enriching himself in ways that were overtly illegal. But you think he was. Well, he and his brother and his son are all very bright people. I mean, Joe's a little bad at had a calf carish these days, but, you know, he's not a dumb guy. He's just odd. Um, and so they understand perfectly plausible deniability. They understand the limits of what they can do, what they can do in writing, what they can do in person, that sort of thing. And Joe Biden was completely convinced as was the rest of America, that his political career was over mm. the minute Barack Obama left office. And like every poll in D.C., they're lining their ducks up for when they leave office or leave the department or whatever, and they cross the street, take a job at a lobbyist, whatever. That part of your argument makes sense that he thought he was done and he might have been willing to push it further than he ever did before. If you miss an hour of this show, you can grab it in podcast form, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.